Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Now, the recent uh, violence in Northern Ireland has uh, prompted uh, the church leaders group uh, to write to the political leaders in Northern Ireland and uh, the Irish and uh, British governments as well as uh, the European Union. Let's uh, talk now to Archbishop Eamon Martin, uh, the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Armagh and Primate of All-Ireland. Good morning to you. Archbishop Eamon, and thank you for joining us on uh, the programme as always uh, this morning. There's a a lot of concern, obviously, about what we've seen. Most of us thought we wouldn't be seeing scenes like this uh, again uh, and hoped that it had become a thing of uh, the past. But here we are all over again, I suppose. It was heartbreaking, actually, Michael. And I know that a lot of people um, across the island of Ireland and indeed beyond looked on with a certain amount of horror but also with sadness really saying are we back here all over again and to see a lot of young people I mean I know that um, many of your listeners their young people are getting back to school now and hopefully beginning to get some sort of normality and preparing for their future and I'm sure they've got hopes and dreams for the future but there was something terribly sad about seeing young people, some young teenagers even, just once more indulging in this kind of petrol petrol bombing and destruction of property and, you know, taking delight in it. One of the things that struck me actually was the, the new phenomenon of young people, you know, engaging in destruction and rioting and at the same time filming it on their mobile phones, mm. almost as if it was some kind of fun or recreation. And and I've no doubt that there were some young people involved that were just kind of hangers-on, but we were frightened that there might have been a more sinister element behind this or people stirring it or adults watching it and allowing it to happen as if almost giving permission Mm. to this new generation to go back to the, the kind of meaningless cycle of violence that just seems to preoccupy us here. Well, if you go back... 30 years ago, I suppose, uh, it was commonplace to see petrol bombs on uh, the streets of Belfast and all of the Umphalas knew how to put them together and light them. Uh, In the last uh, couple of weeks, we've seen Umphalas burn themselves uh, because this is very new to them. And I think that was a statement in itself. And they're all so young, it's hard to believe because uh, it's 23 years on since the Good Friday Agreement. A lot of these kids are 12, 13, 14 years of age. 
and we're being told that this is to do with the withdrawal agreement uh, invoking Article 16, the border in the Irish Sea, the Bobby Story funeral and, and many other reasons uh, which are hard to believe are on the minds of such young children. I imagine that, look, there's no doubt that there are all sorts of political turmoils here which which seem to just spring up uh, every season, something different, some new preoccupation. And there is no doubt, I think, in my mind and in the mind of the other church leaders as we've penned this letter, that there's an instability now uh, after Brexit, that kind of uncertainty. There's certainly a, a strong perception on the part of the unionist tradition that they uh, are left behind, uh, abandoned, uh, that their identity is in some way betrayed, uh, particularly with the talk of the Irish Sea border and the operation of the Northern Ireland Protocol. Then there was a lot of talk in political circles over the last few weeks before Easter about um, policing and an alleged two-tier policing service that somehow, again, they were hard done by. And this seems to be what happens in Northern Ireland. Very sadly, a lot of our politics tends towards a kind of a a point scoring, you know, a one-upmanship. You know, in other words, if if, if they're gaining, then we must be losing. And if if we're gaining, they must be losing. And as I said to some people yesterday, it's almost a lose-lose mentality. I think what we're doing as church leaders, and this letter was written actually by uh, leaders of the main Christian traditions in Ireland, you know, Presbyterians, Methodists, uh, Catholics, um, uh, and and many of the smaller churches, and, and also, of course, the Church of Ireland. And we were writing it to say that, look, um, this is a time for us to unify, for us to be together, political leaders to get together and show a genuine desire to try to find the solutions and the accommodations that will meet the concerns of others. Uh, it's interesting that uh, the Good Friday Agreement, which has been mentioned so much in recent weeks, the Good Friday Agreement recognised that on the island of Ireland there are legitimate aspirations. Some people want to retain a union with the United Kingdom. Some people want to move towards a united Ireland. The big problem, of course, for us is we have to try to hold those to what one might describe as like equal and opposite uh, aspirations in some sort of balance and equilibrium. The, the young people that are being caught up into this, I'd say you're right, they're not exactly dwelling on this, but mm. in some ways they have picked up subliminally this message that all is not right and that gives us permission to go out and wreak destruction on property and God forbid, God forbid, Michael, somebody's going to lose their life in all of this. Mm, and that really is uh, the fear and then what happens after that because uh, quite often that type of incident is responded to with retaliation and uh, once yeah. you go down that road uh, it can be very hard to turn back uh, and that's why uh, it's fragile because it's so young as well the peace process that is it's such a young peace process and I think the church leaders are critical and not just of politicians and community leaders but perhaps you've been reflecting on yourselves as well and what you've been doing to uh, nurture the peace process. Exactly. And I think that that's something that, you know, we've been upfront about in the churches to say that, look, perhaps we've failed in leadership also. You know, what are we doing about people on the ground? And over the last week or two, to hear uh, 
youth workers, uh, community workers who are working in these interfaces. And interestingly enough, and sadly again, the people who seem to be most impacted by violence in the North are the people in the most deprived areas, these interface areas, areas that are perhaps struggling with multiple layers of deprivation, be it from income or employment or health, education, skills, training, access to services. These are the very communities which suffered much during the violence of the troubles, these are the communities which suffered much, much most from, you know, uh, paramilitarism and also indeed from, a, you know, a security force presence. And now once more, they're the communities that perhaps feel that they have least dividend from the peace process. And therefore, I suppose we're in some ways being self-critical as church leaders and asking ourselves, could we be doing more? Uh, we're not just turning pointing the finger at politicians. One thing we did say is that the Good Friday Agreement wasn't it wasn't a finished package. It was just a beginning. And within that there was a sense that there were various guarantors, various people that needed to work on it. Of course the people on the ground internally, politicians in Northern Ireland and uh you know, church leaders and community leaders and others. But also the Good Friday Agreement was parented to some extent by London, by Dublin. And we're calling also on uh, those uh, parents to accompany the peace process. And we do feel, and a lot of people have said this to me over the last few weeks, we feel that Northern Ireland has kind of been forgotten again. You know, they say, oh, look, get, let them get on with it now. You know, we've carried them for long enough. It's time they stood on their own feet. Well, honestly, we can't. You know, we need those guarantors, the people who helped broker a very fragile peace process. We need them again. We need the Dublin government. We need the London government. We need the EU and perhaps even friends in America and other places to say, look, help us out here. Now, we're not asking them to come and do it all, Mm. but maybe to, and I hate to say the term, but it might be true, to hold the hands of peace and help join the hands again that were that that can so easily we, we, we tend to sort of go back into our corners in this part of the world and sort of gaze and glare at each other across the room rather than engaging in, in the true work of peacemaking. Uh, are you concerned that the peace process is at risk of collapse? Well, a lot of people have suggested that. I don't think so. I think there's such a will for peace. Uh, I mean, you know, Northern Ireland is a fantastic place to visit, uh, and uh, we, we're, we've we've also, I think, over over years since the peace process, got a great sense also of this island as a, a, an island where we're. We we're very much connected. We're also connected with our neighbouring island. And now in a new way, we have to find out and we have to recalibrate a lot of the relationships, you know, the north-south relationship. Uh, also, the east-west relationship, the relationship between the island of Ireland and Great Britain. And now with this new recalibration to do, the, the, the relationship between these islands and Europe with Brexit has completely changed. And I think that Brexit has really pulled the rug in many ways from a lot of the work that we had been doing very carefully and painstakingly over the years to build and recalibrate relationships. 
as you know, anyone can drive up there from County Louth straight up the A1, up to Belfast, go up to Derry, uh, visit visit wherever they want to go. And we, we, we came to enjoy that great freedom of movement of people and indeed of goods. And I think we're very concerned that we maintain that. And you can hear the unionist concerns that they're feeling now that the freedom of movement of people and goods from east to west is no longer guaranteed. Mm. This is why we need a united and unified effort to figure out this protocol, work out how it's going to be managed, and of course how all of those north, south, east, west and relationships within Northern Ireland are going to be best served. How can the tension be calmed? Uh, There's a a, a lot of annoyance, it would seem, on the loyalist side uh, with the PSNI. For years, we were hearing about political policing from the Republican side. And uh, as you said, Archbishop Eamon, uh, we're talking about two communities on either side of uh, the interface where life has more or less always been identical for two working class communities. Uh, But... uh, we have them at each other's throats and uh, I think uh, you described policing in Northern Ireland as something that uh, requires uh, the wisdom of Solomon combined with the patience of Job. It certainly does. I mean, to be even-handed in terms of policing in somewhere like this region is extremely difficult. However, I have to say, I feel that the PSNI have done an awful lot uh, to try to gain confidence within the various communities here. And I think that also applies within loyalist uh, communities as much as within nationalist communities. Listen, the police have a job to do. Uh, Sometimes they're not going to be very popular. They're the people that are expected to enforce law and order and uh, to move in when things are not right. In in many ways, you could see them sitting there on that interface at Lanark Way in Belfast with with, with, uh, missiles coming from two different sides. They're in the middle, and that in many ways represents policing. I think a lot of work has been done by the policing board and others to try to ensure that policing in Northern Ireland is accountable policing and I think it has gained hugely in terms of legitimacy across the community but this is a legitimacy that we need to be work we need to be very careful and I think sometimes some things were said in recent weeks which would have been better not said because they inflame tensions on the ground. If there are issues with policing, we now have accountable systems by which to address those. Okay. Well, we're all hoping for peace and we're all hoping that uh, we don't see a return to the violence. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us this morning. Thanks very much, Michael, and good to talk to you again. You too. That's the Most Reverend Eamon Martin, who is uh, the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Armagh and Primate of All-Ireland. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.